I've been talking to you about the faces of grace. Uh, the grace of God is such a beautiful thing. Uh, it's, I guess it's the most beautiful subject in all the Word of God, uh, the faces of grace and what, uh, what grace really means to us and how we need that grace. Uh, we, uh, we talked about one of the faces of grace being his compassion, uh, and uh, we dealt with that. And uh, we're going to move on uh, tonight uh, in our spotlight on the Scripture that we're going to be using is Second Peter, the third chapter, and the ninth verse. Second Peter uh, 3 and 9. And this is what it reads like. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering. I'm going to take that word, long-suffering, as another face of grace. Long-suffering. I told you when I began that uh, as we talk about grace and the different aspects of grace, uh, the things that we get from God through His grace, we get compassion through, uh, through His grace. The compassion that God has for us uh, comes through His grace. And everything God gives us, in t- God in turn expects us to share with other people. Hallelujah. If God has showed compassion on you, then you in turn should let that same compassion flow out from you to somebody else. Hallelujah. And this next face of grace long-suffering, and uh, Peter was talking about uh, the coming of the Lord, and uh, uh, some were uh, maybe wondering about, uh, well, you know, he promised he's going to come come back. When is he coming back? And Peter wrote, he said, well, God's not slack concerning the promise he made uh, like some people. He said, but God is long-suffering. Hallelujah. Not willing that any should perish. Hallelujah. God is long-suffering. And I don't know about you tonight, but I'm glad we serve a long-suffering God. Hallelujah. Amen. Long-suffering. The word long-suffering simply means he puts up with us. Amen. I could give you a mile-long definition that I got out of the Bible dictionary, but just talking like every everyday people, uh, when we say that God is long-suffering, that means that he, he just, He's willing to put up with us. Amen. Just like he said, you know, man, when he talked about the children of Israel, how, how he uh, uh, did them for 40 years in the wilderness and, uh, and all their murmuring and complaining and everything else, uh, and there were times that he wanted to destroy them, and he told uh, Moses one time, get out of my way, let me destroy them, and I'll raise up more people from you. But <laughs> Moses made a statement. I wonder how many other people 
would be willing to make. When he stood for the people and he says, Lord, forgive them their sin. But if you don't, blot my name too out of the book that you're written. Hallelujah. <laughs> man, man, to, to talk to God and say, God, if you don't want to forgive them, take my name out too. My Lord. Now that that's that's some love for people, folks. That's some love for people. Do we have that kind of love? My uh and uh but we talked in our last discussion. Uh, about God's compassion and how it flows to us by His grace. And tonight, uh, I w- uh, we're going to get a little bit into this long-suffering. Uh, and uh, some, uh, but, but God was only being patient with people, giving them all the time He can for them to repent and be saved. God's not willing that any should perish. God don't want anybody to be lost. He, and, and this is one thing that, he, uh, he said, uh, uh, Peter said, God is not slack. He's not trying to put off something. He's not trying to, uh, to make a promise to you and then not, not fulfill that promise. He said, but God is long-suffering. He's pleading with people because he don't want nobody, nobody to be uh, lost. God doesn't desire anyone anywhere to be lost, and he knows just as soon as a trumpet sounds, it will make the end for man's salvation. Think about that. Just as soon as Gabriel blows that trumpet, salvation is cut off for everybody who doesn't know God. It's over with. God realizes that. Amen. And so he is long-suffering. He keep, he's patient. Amen. And he keeps putting up with our, our tendencies to, to go astray and all of this stuff. But I want you to notice a scripture in Psalms chapter 86 and verse 15. Look at this. But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious and long-suffering. Hallelujah. And plenteous in mercy and truth. Hallelujah. The God we serve is a long-suffering God. He continues and continues, amen, uh, and pleads. Now, as I stated back uh, uh, the last time when we talked about his compassion being one of the faces of grace, these attributes of God that he pours on us, as I said a few minutes ago, we're supposed to be the same way to others. If God shows you compassion, you are to do likewise to others. If God is long-suffering with you, amen, he waits on you. He waits on you to get to a certain place, to do a certain thing. Uh, Let me put it this way. If God puts up with our junk, you need to be willing to put up with someone else's junk. Amen. Hallelujah. I mean, you know, if we want God to be long-suffering with us, then we've got to be patient with others. Not saying that it's easy, but we are showing one of the attributes of God. Let's go to Colossians, the third chapter, and uh, uh, verses 12 and 13. Notice what Paul said to uh, uh, the church there in Colossia. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, Put on tender mercies, kindness, 
humility, meekness, long-suffering. See, now this, this is talking about what we're supposed to do to others because God is long-suffering to us because we're his elect, we're his called, we're his chosen one. Then we've got to put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Go on to the next. Variant, there you go. Now, that right there is the best definition of being long-suffering, bearing with one another, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also, what he put that word must, must, we have to. That's right, sister. We have to. Amen. We got to do it, uh, and that and that takes us automatically, church, to Matthew eighteen, twenty one and twenty two. Then Peter, uh, then came Peter to him and said, "Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him till seven times?" Jesus said unto him, I say not unto thee unto seven times, but unto seventy times seven. Wow. We got to be long-suffering. We got to keep putting up with people. If, now, now, get this now. The question was, how many times must, if, if a brother sins against me in a day, we're not talking about a year. We're talking about a day. Amen. How quick, how quick we are a lot of times just to cut somebody off. Amen. Now, God, nothing God requires of us is unreasonable. I think about when, when it talks about... Um, uh, doing our reasonable service, amen, in, 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 in our relationship to God, uh, which is our reasonable service. God is not an unreasonable God. Now, now here, here's the thing. Let me give you an example. Uh, let's, say, let's say you are a business, business partner with a brother in the church, and after a while, you find out that that partner, business partner, has been cheating on you. Uh, you know, taking money or doing doing something that 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 shouldn't be do, uh, doing. Now, God requires you to forgive him, but he doesn't require you to ever go in business with him again. Amen. There's a difference. There's a difference. God does not ask anything unreasonable. Amen. Uh, but we still have, have to forgive. Amen. And that's what we are talking about. And this flows from, from God. And it's got to flow from God through us to other people. Now, since, and I, I've, I've still got, I've got a few minutes time, and I'm going to go ahead to this uh, to this next one, uh, we get into forgiveness. That is another face of grace. 
That's another aspect of grace. We, the forgiveness we get from God comes to us through His grace. Amen. So, that's another face of God. Psalms 86 and 5. For you, Lord, are good and ready to what? Forgive. And abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. You, Lord, are good and ready to forgive. I'm glad that God is ready to forgive. What about you? Hallelujah. I'm glad that God we serve, amen, is ready to forgive. And as God told Peter, he said, I don't say 70 times, but 70 times 7. Uh, and so long-suffering and forgiveness kind of work side by side. They're, they're close right there. And believe me, folks, uh, his long-suffering and his forgiveness toward us is very great. To give you, to give you a good example, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. Notice what he says. If we, now, now he's talking to the church here. This is, this is not talking to somebody who's never repented. This is not talking to nobody uh, who hadn't repented, been baptized in his name, and, and, and followed the, the plan of salvation. This is talking to the church. This is talking to the people who's already repented, already been baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, but then you mess up, you, uh, you do something wrong. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from a double L all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. That one verse, and there's many others, but that one verse alone uh, should answer the question. And uh, there, there's, uh, uh, as being a, a minister and a pastor, uh, there's a few questions that I get more of than anything else. Uh, and uh, and that is people people will come to me in counseling. Uh, well, you know, I, I, I've uh, started out serving God and I lived for God for a good while. I had repented, been baptized in Jesus' name, and and, uh, and, and received the Holy Ghost. But God, I got cold on God. I uh, got out of church for a while, and uh, you know, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like, well, you know, do I need to get baptized again? No. You don't, you don't lay again the foundation of repentance. That's what the Bible says. Lay not again the foundation of repentance. What you got to do, all you got to do is confess your sins. Not to me, but unto God in prayer. In a prayer just like David did in Psalms 51. Psalms 51 is David's prayer of repentance when he sinned. But he said if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, that goes right hand in hand with his long suffering. He bears with us. He puts up with us. And because he does that, we've got to have the humility to do the same thing to one another. Hallelujah. We've got to have uh, the same thing. Now, I'm going to close out tonight 
by talking about some stipulations. What is a stipulation? What's a stipulation? <laughs> I'll there you go. That that's that's a that's a good definition. Uh, a lot of people, when they talk about grace, the grace of God, they 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 use grace as, as one biblical writer says. They turn the grace of God in into lasciviousness. Uh, some people think that grace is a get out of free jail card, but it's not. You don't cheapen the grace of God. Uh, and uh, when he talks about forgiveness. I'm going to give you just one example. There's many examples I could give you, but I'm going to, there is a stipulation about me receiving the forgiveness of God. There's a stipulation that I've got to follow. Amen. Just because it flows through God's grace does not give me the right to do anything I want to. Amen. It doesn't give me the right to be uh, to be lawless and uh, and uh, and not walk in obedience to all of God's word. If I if I want uh, if I want to be forgiven from God, if I confess my sin and if I want Him to forgive me, and I receive that through His grace, there's a stipulation for me. And Matthew chapter six verses fourteen and fifteen lets us know that stipulation. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Next verse. But, stipulation, if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you. We have to be careful. Even though all these things flow to us, from God through grace, there there is there is some requirements on our part. And if I want to receive forgiveness for God, I've got to forgive other people. I mean, how much plainer can you can you get it than what Matthew six and fifteen has got there? If you don't forgive men their trespasses, when men do you wrong, if you don't forgive them. Neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Uh, there's some things, folks, that we have to take care of. If I come to the altar to present my, a gift unto God, and I remember God brings it to my remembrance, there's something between me and a brother or sister, what's he tell me to do? Well, he says, leave your altar and go first be reconciled. Then come back. Stipulation. Stipulation. Hallelujah. So we have got whatever we receive from God, if it's, if it's compassion, long-suffering, forgiveness, uh, we got to let it flow out from us. Let let me give you an example about flowing out from God. There's two seas 
in the land of Israel. One is the Sea of Galilee, which is in the north. Down south, closer to Egypt, is the Dead Sea. Okay? And the Sea of Galilee, it's beaming with life. All kind of vegetation, all kind of fish, birds, everything. I mean, uh, it. although I've never been there and seen it personally, I've seen video of it, I've seen pictures of it, and it's a beautiful place. But the Dead Sea, nothing lives. Nothing lives. There's no life down there. There's no fish in the water. Uh, nothing green around. Nothing, I mean, it's just... Uh, and what is the difference? What is the difference between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea? I'll tell you what the difference is. The Jordan River flows in the north part of the Sea of Galilee, and it flows out and keeps going south out of the southern part of the Sea of Galilee. That river flows through it. And because what it receives flows through it, life is there. And the Jordan River goes all the way down, and it enters the Dead Sea, but there's no exit. It don't go out. All it does is lay there and evaporate, and that's what turns all the salt that's down there, and it, it, there's no life because the Dead Sea is constantly getting a flow in, but it's not flowing out. That's a powerful message, man. I could preach a, a message on that right there. And that's the same way we've got to be. Everything that we get from God, we got to let it flow through us and out if we want to keep life. Hallelujah. We can't just receive all the blessings and not let those blessings flow out. Amen. We've got to let them flow out. Anybody got any comments or questions about uh, uh, the lesson tonight?